God's good to us, and we certainly love you with the love of the Lord. If you have your Bibles this evening and would like to look over in the book of Leviticus, uh, chapter 23, Leviticus chapter 23, and verse, verse 9 through 11, and then also down to Revelations chapter 1. baby's crying, that means it's a sign of life in this church. So it's growing. We're going to build this church one way or another. So. Amen. Amen. Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 9. Before we read, let's just speak to the author of the word and how many here by an uplifted hand would have a need or a desire in their heart that they'd like to see met this evening? Amen. I believe Dr. Jesus is here. Amen. Let's just speak to the Lord. Father, we, we recognize, Lord, that you are here in our midst, Lord Jesus, because you told us in your word that where two or three are gathered in my name, there you would be in the midst of them, Father. We recognize, Lord, that we can bind our hearts together with Christian love. Lord, and we can recognize that you're going to do something specific here this evening because your children have gathered one more time around the carcass, Father. And Lord, we've come to feed upon the unfailing body word of the Son of Man. And we ask, Lord, that you would take the word of life and you would rightly divide it, Father, Lord Jesus. And pray that you'd open our hearts, Lord, to receive the things that you have for us here this this weekend, Father, we thank you, Lord, for the meetings that took place at North Carolina. We, we thank you for the meetings that are going on around the world. But, Father, this is a time that we've come to sit down, Lord Jesus, and asking, Lord, that you would move on behalf of your children right here, Father. You see their hands. You see their desires, Lord. They've got questions, and, Lord, you've got all the answers. And we ask, Lord, that, that this one that we've been fellowshipping with, Lord, that you would come and that you'd manifest yourself right here, Lord. We even recognize, Lord, that there's someone greater than ourselves that is here tonight. Lord, come to do a work, and we just want to be obedient to you tonight, Lord, and just get ourselves out of the way, Father. May you come and have the preeminence in this church service today in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Leviticus chapter 23 and verse 9, And the Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, When ye be come into the land which I give unto you, and shall reap the harvest thereof, then ye shall bring a sheaf of the firstfruits of your harvest unto the priest, and ye shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted for you on the morrow. After the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. Revelations chapter 1. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 12 this afternoon. I know we have some that are out sick this weekend, so we want to be remembering them in prayer as well. Amen. Many are the afflictions of the righteous, but the Lord delivers of all. Revelation chapter 1 and verse 12. And I turned to see the voice that spake with me, and being turned, I saw seven golden candlesticks. And in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks, one likened to the Son of Man, clothed with a garment down to the foot and a girt about the paps with a golden girdle. And his head and his hairs were like 
oh, as white as snow, and his eyes were as a flame of fire, and his feet like unto fine brass, as if they had burned in a furnace, and his voice as the sound of many waters, and he had in his right hand seven stars, and out of his mouth went a sharp two-edged sword, and his countenance was as the sun shineth in his strength. And when I saw him, I fell at his feet as dead, and he laid his hand, laid his right hand on me, and saying unto me, Fear not, I am the first and the last. I am he that liveth and was dead, and behold, I am alive forevermore. Amen. And have the keys of hell and of death. May God bless his word. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. I think it's amazing tonight to be able to recognize that we are not just looking at Jesus through a glass darkly, but we are seeing him face to face. And you begin to think about all of the prophets throughout the, throughout the Old Testament that they long to look on him. But here that we recognize that we are looking upon Jesus face to face. When Brother Brandon would lay that out in the church age book, we see his seven personages that are laying right here. And we recognize that we can go back throughout throughout the Old Testament and go through the New Testament. As you comb through it, you can see that the I Am that was there at the very beginning that would roll the very worlds off of his fingertips was the same I Am that was there with Elijah. The, he was there with Elisha, and he was there throughout his prophets, Moses, and on down throughout the Scriptures. And we recognize that it is that same I Am that is right here standing in the midst of the seven church ages. And right here in the midst of the church of the living God, there's there's so Somebody that is standing here and we recognize that that is the that is the great I am it's not a God that's changing it's not a God that's going it's not a God that's leaving us but he is the I am he is present for our situation he is present for our needs he is present for everything that we'll ever go through and I was I was listening to the prophet today when he was when he was talking there and it is the rising of the sun he said when when Jesus Christ came and he conquered he conquered everything that there was to be conquered he conquered sin he conquered he conquered sickness he said he said he went on and he conquered all of the trinity of Satan he said there Satan was the author of death he said but he was the possessor of hell and he was the possessor of gray of the grave and here we are recognizing tonight that that all of the trinity of Satan everything that he possessed as his own that that was his own house that Jesus Christ rose up the mighty conqueror on the third day and he conquered death hell and the grave and we recognize tonight that 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 Satan himself don't even have the key to his own kingdom tonight the things that once held man captive Jesus Christ holds in his hands tonight and to think that tonight that everything that's been stacked up against your life every every little detail that's been laid out in your DNA everything Jesus Christ is the answer to everything that you'll ever have need of and to think that that it's all wrapped up inside of one man and that man's name is none other than Jesus Christ he conquered every enemy that you could ever come up against he conquered brother Ron's camp he conquered Brother Randy's cancer. He conquered every need. He conquered every battle that you can ever go through. So, so tonight the battle is already won. We'd like to declare, we'd already like to declare victory in this place tonight, knowing that all of the things that held men for captive, captive for so many years, that one man, Jesus Christ, he proved that he conquered the Trinity of Satan that day at Calvary. And to think that where we're living at in the as a church of the living God, that this message is such a reality it is this word is the only reality that there is Laodicea can't offer you a reality everything that they offer you the, the, the Hollywood it, it, it shines but this God
gospel is glowing with the realities of Jesus Christ and we realize that it is this word, it is this message, it is this power that will take our mortal bodies and will change our mortal bodies and this mortality will put on immortality and this corruption will put on incorruption. As Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 15, we recognize that this message is the greatest thing that's ever been placed in the hand of Almighty God. And I think tonight if we're ever going to preach liberty amongst the church of the living God, we ought to be preaching right now. And I believe if there's young people that need an experience with the liberty of this message, it ought, it ought to be preached like never before. If we've got, if we've got an older generation that need healing, there's, there's healing laying right here in this message. And if there's somebody here that needs, needs a divine touch from Almighty God, needs answers need to be met, I believe that it can be experienced right now in the power of this message. This message ain't got weaker as the days gone by. This message has got stronger and stronger and we're coming behind it with an amen. And Brother Brennan would say, he said, if there's a great big amen across the room, let us say amen to it. And if there ever was a time to believe for miracles, it's right now when God has connoted himself. He's emptied himself out into the church of the living God. He's just changed his mask. This is the bride coming of Jesus Christ. This is Christ in bride form. What you see in your brother, what you see in your sister, this ain't some workup. This ain't some man's idea. This ain't a school of ideology. But this is the victory of Jesus Christ in body form again. And you're not just fellowshipping with another man, but you're fellowshipping with the same exact one that Abraham was fellowshipping with. He had a conversation with him that he was going to have a son. And there on that day when he had his back turned towards the tent, he started fellowshipping with the same one that had talked to him all throughout those years. And it was that same Melchizedek that came by his way and changed his body. I declare unto the church of the living God, it's that same Melchizedek that we're fellowshipping with right now. And I declare unto you, it'll be one of these mornings between the hours of six and nine, that one that you've been fellowshipping with, that one that you've been entertaining will change your mortal bodies. You'll not go by the way of the grave, but this mortality will put on immortality. And in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, we shall be changed. Glory. Hallelujah. Hallelujah, the secret things belong unto the Lord, but the things which are revealed belong to us. This is our possession. This ain't, this ain't Luther's day. This ain't Wesley's day. This is a bride age. And if there ever was a time to believe it, it's right now. I want to tell you that our bags, our script bags are full. We've got stones that have been rolled around in honey, and we're just looking. We're just looking for giants just now. We're looking for cancer giants. We're looking for COVID giants. We're looking for depression giants. We're looking for anxiety giants. We're looking for suicide giants because we've got a rock and it's a rock to offense for a lot of people. But this rock is a rock of revelation. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Brother Manham would say in the stature of the perfect man, he said, Christ never sent me to build no organization. He didn't send me to build no, he didn't send me to build no intellectualism or to dominationalism or to build another church. He said he sent me here to build individuals and to be the stature of Jesus Christ that they might be a powerhouse 
They might be a powerhouse, a dwelling place for Almighty God, the Spirit by His Word, that He would come and live in a people. And I think that tonight, if, we, if we've ever grabbed a hold of a reality, it's, it's this message tonight. You know, when, when you watch when the, when the bride of Jesus Christ, when that group that is catching the message of the hour and the reality of it, you watch as the unbelievers, the group begins to thin out. Just like when Moses was up there and he sent out those 12 spies and those 12 spies went out there because it was the message of the hour for their day to go out there and to claim Canaan's land, the promise that was given unto Abraham, it was given unto them and he took that promise and there was only two of them that went out there and believed that that was the message of the hour and he watched as the group began to thin out when those so-called message believers or the majority of those so-called believers, they didn't believe it but the message is today it's a promised word for this day that only the elect of God are going to be able to walk out there walk out of there in the face of all the criticism walk out there in the face of all the, the darkness of this world and go out there and accept this message and believe this message I, I declare that that bride is on earth right now I declare that it's, she's here right now I declare that she is him and I declare that all power in heaven and in earth that was given unto him is in the church of the living God I'm not, I'm not, I'm not ashamed of him I'm not ashamed of this power I'm not ashamed of this truth and if William Branham could stand there right in face of all of those critics right in the face of all those maniacs the same power that raised Jesus Christ from the grave is in the church of the living God. It's something that you need to grab a hold of and let it be an experience for your own self. If he could stand there, he could stand there and he could call black, black and white, white. Well, how about the church of the living God? How about we call out sin? How about we call out what's right? How about we believe for miracles? There's people all over this building tonight that are in need of miracles and I tell you, God ain't run out on them. There's people that are sitting here tonight that need a true baptism of the Holy Ghost. He ain't run out of it tonight. There's people that are sitting here that need their eyes turned to, from darkness unto light. He ain't run out of his turning power. I tell you, he's still got his eye on you. Brother Brandon would say in the lay or excuse me, in the, in the Ephesian church age, he said that there he is with the seven stars in his right hand, the right hand or, or right hand or arm signifies the power and the authority of God. Psalms 44 and three tells us, for they got the land, for they got not the land in possession by their own sword, neither did their own arm save them, but thy right hand and thine arm in the light of thy countenance because thou hast favor unto them. And I, I think if there's ever was a time that a people had favor, it's a church of the Most High. He said, in that right hand of power are seven stars who according to Revelations 1 and 20 are the seven church messengers. He said that signifies that the very power and the authority of God are behind his messengers to every age. He said they go forth in the fire and power of the Holy Ghost with the word. And I don't know about you, but that stirs my heart like never before to recognize that what was given to William Branham, that what was given to those seven church age messengers was that fire and the very 
very unction of the Holy Ghost and it stirs our heart to recognize that we've got a short work to do here in Laodicea. And if we're ever gonna run, right now's the time to run. If we're ever gonna believe it, young girls, right now's the time to believe it. If we're ever gonna, if we're ever gonna put on and display the wedding garment, if there ever was a time to, to live this message, it's right now. It's not for a day gone by and it's not for in the future. It's right now. Right now. And to think that Brother Burnham would say in the Laodicean church age, to think that there would come a time again that there is again another people in the land who under their messenger will be the final voice to the final age. This bride has got something to say. In Revelation 10 it told us to prophesy again. You're not coming up with your own words. You're taking, you're taking a message that's got power, that's held by Almighty God. There ain't never been anything set out of place by this messenger. There's never been anything that's been misdone outside of this messenger because he is in the right hand of Almighty God. He's there in the very power of God. And to think that you're standing behind a vindicated prophet it's an amazing thing when you can sit there and listen to those tapes that's burning your heart when you're listening to and it and knoweth it not. And you're sitting there to red lights flashing in this evil age and you think about the God of this evil age and Satan's eating. And when God goes to choose out a bride and you can sit there and you can say amen to the word of God. I'll tell you what a blessed people that you are tonight to recognize that right here, Right here, it, it may not, you, may not, you may not feel like it tonight. And you may be worn out by all the week's events that's gone on in your life. Things kind of got messed up with your treatments. Things kind of got messed up with how you went to the doctors and hey, you had a flat tire and you had all kinds, of, all kinds of chaos that entered into your life this week. But sitting right shoulder to shoulder with you tonight is the church of the living God that's got a message that's, that, that's worth running with. We've got the answer. We've got the answer and the gates right in front of us. And we know that if we'll get to that gate, if we'll run with everything that's within us, we've trained for this moment. We've trained for this moment. We, we've done everything that we can to just get right for this moment. And you've got, the, you've got the key in your hand. The gates will open unto you. Hallelujah. Moving right here in this place tonight. I just, want, I just want you to let your heart loose just for a moment. But moving right here in this atmosphere tonight is a supernatural. Maybe you don't see with your natural eye, but I believe that there is a heart of faith that is looking and catches those things and brings it down to them. So right here in this atmosphere, right here in this atmosphere is the love that you need. Right here in this atmosphere is a miracle that you need. Can you say amen? Right here in this atmosphere is everything that you have need of because Jesus Christ said that he would be with us. And you say, well, I don't really understand all of that. But I'll tell you that the whole armor of God is supernatural. Is that right? So, so we recognize that, that William Branham would come and he would, he would lay it out before us that we're, we're sitting here in two worlds. And you can see when he would take a patient by the hand or he would begin to discern their heart from sitting up here 25 yards away from the patient. And he would sit there and he said, now, now you've seen that light in the papers and you've seen it in the pictures. He said, that same light is hanging between me and that woman. And he said, now, he said, now whatever you have need of, he said, he'll, he'll make known unto you if you'll have just enough faith to believe it. And you watch what that pillar of fire would do. It would bring out the very secrets of the heart. 
What was he doing? He was showing that there was two worlds. That, that, that angel was able to work there in that realm and he was able to call out things in their past and he was able to tell them things out there in their future. You see, when the vision would go forth, he, you know, Brother Branham, he said, he said, when I seen that vision of that man over there in Africa, he said, I, he said, I could stand there. He said, I could stand there and he said, I knew where I was standing at. He said, I could challenge all of those skeptics. He, he said, I could challenge all the religions of that world. He said, because I knew where I was standing at. What I want to tell you tonight is you ought to know exactly where you're standing at. It's because there's a prophet that stood in this day and he didn't say that you're barely going to make it and you're barely going to scrape by but there's a prophet that had a vision break over the church of the living God and she's going to make it with every fiber of her being. She's not just going to kneel and make her way there. She's going to come running through the gates. There's going to be people that don't just live in defeat. There's going to be people that live at the victory of almighty God you may not understand and you may not be on the same page as me right now but I want to tell you that before this night is over there's a God that's going to meet your needs you may not understand that but there was a lot of people in the message that were sitting there under the ministry of Malachi 4 and they walked in one way and they walked out another way it was because there was an angel that they'd been fellowshipping with that same angel is not dead he's alive right now I don't, I don't went too high. I ain't coming back down off this. I ain't coming back down. I'm not going to stoop down there with them hawks and them chickens no more. I done flew up here in the eagle realm. I done flew up here where the anointing of the eagles at, and I'm not going back down there to those earthbound chickens. I'm not going back down to the, the denominationalism ideas that we could just confess it and believe it and accept it and go on. But I believe there's a power that's so strong that'll break every stronghold of the devil that's in this place tonight. You ain't knocking me off of this because it's been revealed to you. It's been revealed to me. I know exactly where I'm standing at. I know where this church is and I know where she's supposed to be living at. That's why I can preach to you under the anointing of Malachi 4 and you have the ability to go up there and worship like never before. There's a lot of people that don't understand your worship. There's a lot of people that don't understand your praise, but you have broke through the veil. Brother Barnum said, if I taught you a Methodist message, he said, it wouldn't have no effect on you. He said, if I taught you a Lutheran message, he said, it wouldn't have no effect on you. He said, because that ain't your message, but this is your message. He said, you fail to see why the people are so enthused and why they're so elated. He said, they have broke through the veil. They have broke through the veil. And once you break through the veil, there ain't no going back. I'm gonna tell you what, I've done come out of this thing and I've done seen that back there, that life was destroying my life. That life was tearing me apart, but I broke through the veil and I've seen somebody that was stronger than me, that was greater than me. I got my eyes on somebody. This is him. Brother Barham, Brother Barham would tell a story. He said, I, he said, I was sitting there and he said, I believe he, I believe he was watching it. He was watching a documentary on, on how that these, these, these scientists had went down into the midnight dark of that sea there. He said, they went down all the way down there. He said, it was complete midnight. When they got down there and they, they turned their lights on and they had fish down there. He said, just ugly looking fish. And you ever, you go ever, ever studying, studying on those things, it'll, it'll scare you half to death. You met one of them things. 
you never get in the ocean again. You look at the, you. You start studying out those 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 creatures that live so far below below that surface. They don't need eyes because they can't see down there. It's so dark they can't see. Don't you recognize that where we're living at? It's so dark they're blind and they don't even know it. But he would say he said they're there. He said he said they're using another sense down there. He said because there's no way that they could see down there. He said so they're using that radar that they have to be able to find their source of food. And he said you he said you take that little fish. He said that little fish could never come up here to the top of the water. He said because it's pressurized to live in the atmosphere where it's living at. He said but if you would ever take that little fish. He said if you ever take that little fish. And he said you bring him up here and let him be me. He said, you let him be me. Let him have a human body and think like a human and do like a human. He said, that little fish, he would never want to go back down there under that atmosphere and live like that little fishy in that darkness. He said, because he said he was pressurized to live there. You see what Brother Brandon broke into on the curtain, beyond the curtain of time, he broke into the sixth dimension. He broke up there. He broke up there and he said when he got there, there was nothing but perfect love there. And you remember what they were screaming out to him. Whatever you do, press the battle. Press the battle. He said, I can never be the same, William Branham, after that event. Now, let me tell you something. What you've been preached to you, how could you ever go back to some denominational thinking, some cold, formal idea when you've been brought up to the message of the hour? I can't think the same way. I can't drink the same way. I can't act the same way. I can't talk the same way. I've been brought to a level. And I tell you, it's a level where only the elect can live at. Now, when I was when I was a kid, I enjoyed the game of baseball. I enjoyed it real good. About the only thing I was ever good at in the athletic realm was a little bit of baseball. I was too too small to play tackle football with that guy. So I had to I had to shift sports. But when, now some of you can maybe fellowship with me right here on this thought, but when I was little, I know Brother Jeffrey can, but, and Brother TJ and these other, Jerry and Davey and all these other brothers, and don't act like a bunch of saints there sitting there tonight. I know you can fellowship with me on it just for a minute. But when, when, we, was, when we was younger, they'd have, they'd have what they call an opening day. You know what I'm talking about? And they'd have that opening day, and, and they'd have everybody, all the teams of the region or the district come out, and they'd announce out their name, and they'd come out, and then they'd have a big event, and all the games would be played. All the games would be played on that one specific day. It was a day that, that if you were a child, and you really, looked, you really looked forward to that day. And I remember as a, I remember as a little boy, I remember thinking about, thinking about that day. You, you, got your brand new, you got your brand new uniform on. Yeah, and... They didn't give you those. They didn't give you those uniforms to practice in. They give you those uniforms for opening day. And they give you. They give you that uniform, and they've got that. They've got the audience there, and and the whole the, the little bitty stadium that we would go down there in Grottos barely had enough. Barely had enough benches there for anybody. The whole family sat there. But if you were a Fraser boy, you were gonna have an attendance. And and we look forward to we look forward to that as kids because. What they were going to do, they were going to announce. They were going to announce your name across that audience, across that across that atmosphere, and they were going to scream out your name and holler out your position, and they tell you where where you were playing at, what team you were. And I, I'll tell you, as a little kid, y'all know I was handful, but as a, as a little kid, I always looked forward to that day. I always had it in my mind. I'd run out there when they call my name. I'd run out there and do a backflip and show off. You know, I never did that because I couldn't do a backflip. 
But I, I tell you, I, I, as a little kid, you think about that, and they, there you are. Man, you are so elated because they've called out your name. And there you are. You're running out on your field, and you, they've called out your position. Here here comes Andrew Spencer, the third uh, the third baseman for, for such and such team. And you run out there, and man, your, day, your name's been called. But let me, let me, I know maybe some of you can't fellowship with me on that thought, but I know you can fellowship with me on this thought. There's been a prophet that stood up in this day and has announced your coming. And he said that there would be a bride here that would be without spot and be without wrinkle. And I want you to know, we don't have to do no backflips in front of the audience, but we can tear Satan's kingdom down because you and I have been announced that we would be here. And if William Branham saw me and you here, and every devil in hell knows that we're here. The bride of Jesus Christ, she's not sitting down, but she is on her feet. This ain't opening day, but it's open season on every devil. Let's start hunting down some cancer devils. Let's start hunting down some depression devils. I've got a load that I'm ready to shoot at every single one I run into. The bride of Jesus Christ is here. Hallelujah. The elect will overcome this age. You are the victory of Jesus Christ. You recognize who you are. You recognize who you are. This word called you. Brother Marion would say that the, the first Eve she failed. He said, but this bride cannot fail. He said, she's ordained not to fail. She's predestinated not to fail. And we realize that Brother Marion would come in the feast of trumpets and he would tell us that there's two groups. And we realize that we are in the midst of spiritual warfare after the liberty of the saints of God. You just stick around. You just stick around long enough and you realize that your liberties that you have as an American citizen are being stolen from you, left hand and right hand. They're stealing away from you in the middle of your night and they're stealing away from you right in front of your eyes. How much more did Brother Branham tell us that there he would break into the Feast of Trumpets and he would go in there and he'd pull out Matthew 24 and 24 that in the last days there would be false Christs and false prophets that would come in amongst you and do signs and wonders that it would deceive the very elect if it was possible. And you remember what Brother Branham broke in there in Revelation chapter 9, verse 16 I believe it was, that he went in there and those 200,000 demons, he showed us, he said those were supernatural chargers, supernatural horses and he said there they were in that ecclesiastical power and they were going out there to stomp out the church of the living God. Brother Branham said well we recognize that when those seals were released all of those demons out of the river of Euphrates was released at the same time. So what you see is those demons are being released to attack the body of Jesus Christ and you think I, I don't know if I'm going to make it or not. You're going to make it. I mean, you're going to make it. If there's a devil that's trying to destroy your life, that means that you've got something that he's never handled. All hell is after this message. And every gun of hell is pointed towards you. And he don't just want your message. He wants your liberty. If you could, he'd sneak in here and take your worship. If he could, he'd sneak in here and take away your pastor. He'd take away your health. He'd take away your joy. He'd take away your pride in Jesus Christ. He'd take away everything that you are. He'd take away, he'd take away everything that you are as a believer. But you remember what Brother Branham said there in the Feast of Trumpets. I hit on it just a little bit last weekend. He said there, he said they have bound the spirit of the living God at the door of creeds and dogmas. He said, but here it is again. He said, she's coming back. 
to what the Bible said, and he said she's going to be liberated. You think that the very first time throughout all the ages that Christ has got a body that he can work through, that he can manifest what he said in John 14, 12. He can manifest what he said in John 5 and 7, that if you ask anything in my name, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask what you will. That there ever was a time that we could activate the faith of Mark 11, 22. God has finally got a body on earth that he can work through. A body that he can operate through. Now, now just to turn just for a moment. It is said that George Washington, when he, was, when he was in the battle, that he was always outnumbered. He was always outnumbered. He was always undersupplied. And he retreated more times than he won. He battled through winter when most, when most generals when most generals would take that time and they'd go back and spend time with their family. But George Washington kept on the battlefield. We realize that, that the supernatural protected, it protected General George Washington. When, when they would fire musket bullets, shoot through, his, shoot through his belt and shoot through his armor, shoot through his coat. We realize that he went into the battle sometimes outnumbered seven to one. Brother Branham, he would, preach a, he would preach a powerful message on perseverance. And he'd call General Washington's name. That there he would walk across that snowy, icy Delaware. He'd go across there just to win the battle. He was persevering. When his men were out there, didn't have shoes on their feet, in the freezing cold, he was persevering. If George Washington could be persevering in that type, in that type of condition, how much more should you be? It said that George, or General Cornwallis, he surrendered only because Washington's army kept coming back no matter what the odds. As one biographer put it, General Washington defeated the British and won America's liberty simply because he would not quit. Now you've heard your pastor stand here and say, never, 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 never give up. He's not just challenging your faith. He's not just challenging your flesh, but he's challenging your faith. He's challenging you to step out into the unknown and to believe for the impossible. I'll tell you, if, we can, if men could do that in the natural, how much more is the church of the living God? You ought to be able to stand upon your own two feet and stand there and say, this is my day. This is my hour. This is the greatest time that we've ever been living in. If William Bradham would say, if I could have chose any day to live in, I'd have chose this day. Now let me, let me just go back to our text just for a moment. You remember when Ruth, when Ruth was coming and she begins to make her entrance, when she begins to make her entrance into Bethlehem, it was at the beginning of the barley harvest. And when she goes out there in Ruth 1 and she goes out there and she comes to Bethlehem and she goes throughout the harvest and she goes throughout, she goes throughout Ruth deciding to Ruth working and, and to Ruth resting and then to Ruth rewarded. But there was a process that Ruth had to go through. And when she went out there and she, she went out there and she began to glean off of that field, it was in the midst of harvest time. And if God ever chose a time to send the bride of Jesus Christ, to the darkest of day, he chose to send her in harvest time. And when Ruth would go out there, when Ruth would come back, and she'd be carrying in the bundles of the wheat that she'd brought in, 
She said, Naomi spoke these words, blessed is he that took knowledge of you, that took knowledge of thee. And she began, the Bible said that she began to ask, who was this one that gave unto her, that took knowledge of her? And she said, one by the name of Boaz. And I can imagine Naomi having herself a jubilee right there when she looked out there in the field and she saw Boaz there. She said, oh, this is one of the near kins. He is our kinsman. Oh, I tell you. There's been one that's took knowledge of you in your worst of trials when you didn't feel like serving him, when you didn't feel like praising him, when you looked like you were running out of money, when it looked like there wasn't enough space for you. There was somebody that took knowledge of you. Now, the Bible said in Proverbs 3 and 9, Honor the Lord with thy substance, and with the first fruits of all thine increase, so shall thy barns be filled with plenty, and thy presses, thy presses shall burst out with new wine. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. To think about right now what you've been feeding on. This ain't, this ain't some old, old religion. It's new wine that you're feeding on. We recognize, we recognize, I just wanna, I just wanna draw your attention just for a few moments. Back to Leviticus 23 and 10, that it said, speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, when you come unto the land which I give unto you and shall reap the harvest thereof, then you shall bring a sheaf of the first fruits of your harvest unto the priest and he shall wave the sheaf before the Lord to be accepted for you on the morrow after the Sabbath, the priest shall wave it. So when they were brought unto the land that God had already given them, the land that was their possession, when they were brought there, they were to go into that land, they were to go in there and sow in that land of that of the harvest and go in there and to expect it to come forth. God never sows anything unless he expects it to come forth. Is that right? Don't you be weary in your well-doing. You'll reap if you don't faint. But notice what they were supposed to do. They were go there and they were to go in there and sow that seed in the land that God had already given them. Now I'm, I'm taking you into, into your possession just for a moment. Go in there, go in there and sow it. And when it comes to the time of the harvest, when you go in and you get the first fruits, you take your first fruits. It was the very first one that you planted that had came to maturity. You take that first one and you take it before the high priest. You take it in there, you take it before the high priest. And the high priest, he would take it and it would be accepted unto him. And there the high priest would take that wave offering or he'd take that sheaf, he'd take that sheaf and he would wave it before the Lord so that it would be accepted for you. So he would wave it before, he would wave it to the north, he'd wave it to the south, he'd wave it to the east, and he'd wave it to the west. And when he was doing that, it was a sign or a memorial that this was the very first one that had ever came up. This was the first one that had came to, that had got ripened first, and it was an anticipation that there was more that was coming. I'm going to tell you what, when Jesus was standing there and he was preaching to his disciples in John chapter 12 and 23, he said to recognize that the hour has come that the Son of Man should be glorified. He said, verily, verily, I say unto you, except a corn of wheat fall into the ground and it die and abideth alone, he said, but if it die, it'll bring forth much fruit. You see, you see, if you don't plant it, you ain't gonna get nothing out of it. And if you don't plant your faith in Jesus Christ, you'll never have a harvest of it. 
You say, well, they say, well, you have people come to you and say, Brother Andrew, I prayed, I prayed, or I've asked, I've thought about it, I've said these things, and it seems like I'm not getting anything out of it. Have you really planted it? Have you really, have you really buried it? Have you really buried it? Have you really gave it to God? Have you really gave your all to God? And here, here he would, that, that priest would take it and he'd wave it before the Lord. He'd wave that first, he'd wave that first one out there because he knew that it was a sign or a memorial that there was more coming. And you remember, you remember when Jacob and Joseph and they come into that land of Egypt and he gave them a commission. Brother Adam said in the message, the ensign, he said they knew. Jacob and Joseph knew that there was no first fruits that was of the resurrection. He said they wasn't coming out of Egypt. He said they was coming out of Palestine. He said he knew that. He said, so he said, you take my bones and you don't bury them down here. He said, if you bury my bones down here, he said, they'll stay right here. He said, but if you'll take my bones up there and you'll bury them up there in Palestine, there's coming a resurrection up there. And to think when that quickening power had found a body that he could live in, Moses had a portion of it, David had a portion of it, but when it anchored in the womb of Mary and it produced a Jesus, that same quickening power that was there in the very beginning, that spoke in the beginning, let there be light and there was light. That same quickening power was now living and manifesting in the body of Jesus Christ. And what was he, what was he? He was the first fruits of them that had slept, of those that had went down in faith, living for Jesus Christ. Just like Abraham was there, just like Isaac was there, just like Jacob was there, there when Jesus Christ rose up, not, he didn't raise up, but, he went, but when he rose up on the third day, he didn't just go up alone. He brought all those Old Testament saints with him. You start studying out the message, you start studying out the Old Testament, and when Job is out there and he's looking, he's looking out there in the land, and he's looking out there and he sees the trees, he sees them fall away, and he sees them come back to life the very next season. He watches the flowers, how they pass away, and he recognizes they can come back to life again. But he had a question before God. He said, if a man die, shall he live again? I found, you know, I found it amazing. I found it amazing that William Branham, when he'd come here, and he, what he'd do as his first Bible, he'd watch nature. He'd watch nature. There Job was looking at that nature. He said, I see this die, and I see it come back to life again. But if a man dies, shall he live again? And Brother Branham said one day, he was out there fellowshipping on that thought. If a man dies, shall he live again? He said, then a vision broke forth. A vision broke forth, and he began to see the light, the lightnings roared, the lightnings flashed, and the thunders roared. And he said, there he began to see that there was a man that was coming to bridge the gap, that a man, if he died, would live again. Brother Branham said that in, in the message of God rec recognizing your day and its message, he said, Job recognized what the resurrection was. It was Jesus. It was the same Jesus that was there that was working in those flowers and bringing them back to life again because he is the author and the finisher of our faith. And I tell you tonight, your faith ain't in vain if you're believing on the Lord Jesus Christ. Your faith ain't in vain if you, if you lost a loved one and it done went by the way of the grave. He's gave you a promise that those that are dead in Christ shall be raised first. But we which are alive and remain shall be caught up to meet him in the twinkling of an eye. 
Paul would say in 1 Corinthians 15, he said, but if in this life we have hope only, we have hope in Christ. He said, if in this life only we have hope in Christ. He said, we are all of men most miserable. He said, but now is Christ risen from the dead and became the first fruits of them that slept. He said, for since by man came death, by man came also the resurrection of the dead. He said, for as, an, for as in all, for as in Adam all die. He said, but even so in Christ shall all be made alive. He said, but every man in his own order, Christ the first fruits afterwards, they that are Christ at his coming. And to think that tonight, brother, I heard Brother Branham say it today. He said, he said, those disciples, he said, I hear people say, oh, I wish I could be back there with those disciples in that day gone by. He said, but you don't need to long for that day to live back there with the days of the disciples. He said, that same quickening power that was in those disciples is in the church, is in you. And to think you ain't got a wish for days gone by, but that same power that raised Jesus Christ from the dead is living right here. I tell you, it's gonna raise our mortal bodies up out of this ground. But to think that here Jesus Christ was the first one up. it had been a lot of people die. Buddha's got a great religion, but it'll never get you out of the grave. Muhammad's got a great theology, but it'll never get you out of the grave. There was a lot of men that told and had a lot of philosophy. There was a lot of men that had said a lot of great things, had a lot of, had a lot of constructive criticism, had a lot of things that would maybe pump you up, but there's ever been one man that ever got up from the grave and he stood there and he said, he said, you destroy this body and I'll raise it up again. He said, I have power to raise it up. You put it in a grave, I'll raise it up. He said, you spent 46 years building this temple, but in three days I'll raise it back up again. There they were thinking of that temple but he was speaking of this temple but what was it when he got up on Easter morning it was the first fruit that if I rise they'll rise hallelujah if I can do it they can do it and brother Branham said that he was waved over the people up there on that day of Pentecost Hallelujah. He was waved over those people up there. They were up there praising God, praising God for something that they had not had yet. Brother Branham said they were up there waiting on, on Joel's prophecy to come to pass. And he said when they got it, they knew they had it. You might be sitting there and say, well, I don't really know. I, I know that I'm here. I know that I'm in the message. I know, I know I'm under a great ministry. I know, I know that we're here, but you have not really recognized and you've not really experienced the power of Jesus Christ. It's for you. It's for you. If you've not experienced the liberty that comes with this message, you need to dive in one good time. And I don't, I don't believe that, I don't believe as message people or message churches that we're trying to get people to ourselves, but we're trying to get them to Jesus Christ. There ain't no resurrection power in the name of William Branham. There ain't no resurrection power in the Holy Pope's name. There ain't no resurrection power in Homer Fraser's name or Tim Pruitt's name or Ron Spencer's name, but there is resurrection power in the name of the Most High God. His name, it's not a weak name, it's a strong name, and his name is the only name where men should be saved, but by the name of Jesus Christ. There is coming a time when every knee shall bow every tongue shall confess and to think that same one that rose up on Easter morning when he broke out of the grave 
Brother Branham said they only seen him. He said, but it was a whole gang of Old Testament saints with him. He started rising up on through the ascent and David broke into it and said he led captivity captive. He said, Psalms 24, he said, lift up your heads, O ye gates, and be ye lift up your everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is that king of glory? The Lord strong and mighty, the Lord mighty in battle. Lift up your heads, O ye gates, and even lift them up, O ye everlasting doors, and the king of glory shall come in. Who is this king of glory? The Lord of hosts. He is the king of glory, Salah. I can hear William Branham say, he said there was two angels up there in heaven. He said they were up there strumming and playing their music and they came down, they come down to heaven, they come down to earth so fast and said, why are you hard? Why are you so weary or why are you so distressed? There he went and there he went rising up. He said he passed the moon and the stars so fast. He went by them with the Old Testament saints and he said the angel pushed the button and the doors come flinging wide open and there the king of glory walked in and God said, Said you sit down here. You sit down here while I make the rest of your enemies thy footstool. You tell your enemy he ain't nothing but a footstool for Jesus Christ. He's been attacking you all day, been attacking you all week, telling you you're not gonna make it. He ain't nothing but a footstool for my God. He says you won't overcome. He says you won't have the baptism of the Holy Ghost. He says days of miracles is gone by, but he don't know what he's talking about. He's just a footstool. It's just a footstool for our Lord, and this is the bride coming of Jesus Christ. Every, if you ain't got your, I believe it's Timothy Pruitt that tells us, he said, if you ain't got your foot on Satan's neck, you are out of your place. Satan is out of his place if he ain't under your feet. I tell you, it's a great place to have him. It's underneath of your feet so that everything he looks up and see is Miss Jesus Christ. If the head rose up, the body's got to get up too. said he was waved up over, waved over those people up there in Pentecost. He said they was up there at that Pentecost. He said they was waiting for that blessing to come. You think, there they were, a bunch of cowards. But when the wave sheet began to wave, waved over them, because I live, you live also. And that same power was living on the inside of Peter got so much on the inside of him that he preached a 15-minute sermon on the day of Pentecost. <laughs> preached a 15-minute sermon up there on the day of Pentecost and he told them and they, they begin to be pricked in their hearts when they begin to make fun of him at the very beginning of his sermon. They begin to mock him and make fun of him but at the end of his sermon, they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? And he told them, repent and be baptized, every one of you. <laughs> Is that right? And there, Peter, when he was walking, when he would walk, people would have enough faith that if that same power that raised Christ up was living on the inside of Peter, he said that Brother Random would say, or the scriptures tell us that those people had so much faith that if Peter would walk down the street and his shadow would be cast out over top of those people that were sick and lame or, or in, in distress or those things, that the very shadow of Peter... The very shadow of Peter crossing across with him, and they'd be completely made whole. That same power that was in Peter has been restored to the church of the living God. 
Notice what William Branham said. He said, and it is to be waved again in this last day. According to Luke 17, 30, in the day of the sun, in the, in the Sunday again, in the day that the S-O-N of man will be revealed or waved over again the people in this day. He said the very same one. He said when you see those things, you think, he said when, when you go to looking at it, that it wasn't, it wasn't, it wasn't the day of the Sabbath, but it was the very first day. And he said, he said that Sunday, he said son, he said they've made it into a Roman name. He said, but this is the S-O-N day again. This is when the sun has risen again. He said that's why it is a rising of the sun. It's a dual sunrise. Goodness. And here we are, we've got, we've got Malachi 4. And Brother Random said that, that Malachi 4 would be waved over the people. And Luke 17, 30, that in the last days, the Son of Man will be revealed in the last days. He said it is to be waved over the people again and their dead traditions of man is dead and the Son of God is alive again with the baptism of the Holy Ghost of Spirit right amongst them and giving us life. I tell you, we're living an hour when it's so close that it would deceive the very elect if it was possible. Brother Barnum, he said you could take two cars. He said you could set them down the same assembly line, send them down the same assembly line. He said they could come down, have the same color, have the same engine, have everything exactly right, have the hubs right, be all polished out exactly right, coming off the same line. Both of them have gasoline. He said, but if one of them ain't got the spark in it, he said, it'll show you. He said, unless it's got the spark in it, he said it might, that gasoline might as well be water. You see, you see Pentecost can get so close, but they've missed it. They are missing the very firepower of the Holy Ghost. I'll tell you, I'll tell you, it's an awesome day to recognize. William Branham said there'll have to be another sheaf waved in this last day. He said a waving of that sheaf. He said, what was that sheaf? It was the very first one that came to maturity. The first one that proved it was wheat, that proved it was a sheaf. He said, hallelujah. He said, I'm sure you see what I'm talking about. He said, it was waved over the people. And the first time there'll ever come forth for the bride age, for the resurrection out of the dark denominationalism will be a message that the full maturity of the word has turned back again in its full power and being waved over the people by the same signs and the same wonders that he did back there. And you think what's been waved over this generation and they're guilty for turning down the son of man again. And you think about the one that was waved over this bride of Jesus Christ. When you look at the ministry that was waved over it, no wonder, no wonder that ministry could stand there when witch doctors would be standing there in Germany and they'd call for a storm to try to shut down the meeting out there. He said they were standing out there chanting all of those things, but William Branham said that he stood there and he just called for that storm to go back to its place where it came from and they sat there and had healing after healing miracle after miracle it's this wave chief that's been waved over the bride of Jesus Christ if Hattie Wright could ask for her two boys how much more can you ask if William Branham could stand there under the same anointing that's here right now and he could speak to that storm out there in Colorado if he could speak to if he could speak to that tumor in Sister Mita, how much more could you and I take the same authority of the word that's been waved over this generation and we could call cancer to leave a body? 
We could cause sickness to leave a body, cause depression to leave our mind, anxiety to leave our mind. How much more if that same one's been waved over the church of the living God? I'm preaching to you the most powerful thing that there is. It's the message of the hour. And this message that you've been given, it don't have no restraints on it. Every restraint's been pulled off of it. Brother Branham said there's been churches, churches, brides, brides, but there's got to come one that's both mechanics and dynamics. She's here. <laughs> I tell you, I believe, I believe it so much that I believe that if you could say the right thing, you could say the right thing when the one that's been waved over this generation, you could say the right word and you watch your sons walk in this building. I believe you could say the right word and you watch cancer leave. I believe you could say the right word and they'd be a pouring out of the baptism of the Holy Ghost. I believe you could be able to just say amen to the word of God and you watch the most mighty miracles that'd be done in this generation right here tonight. How could he wave that before them and sent them out amongst the generation of wolves? Because it was his power. It was his anointing. It was his life. It's his church. And to think that where you are, that's what's being waved over you. This ain't another God. It's the same God. If William Brandon could stand there and say, I'd recognize there'd be a little resurrection to a little bitty fishy. I see the resurrection coming. He said, there that little fish had been laying there all those hours. And there comes something whirling out of that tree, come whirling out of that mountain. Stand up and call for resurrection to come to that little fish. Brother Branham said, I had all of those cases sitting out there in that wilderness, sitting out there in the cities. He said, I had epileptics sitting out there. I had diseases sitting out there. He said, but God wanted to show that he was God over the little things as much as he was over God of the big things. You're serving a God of variety, and you're serving a God that has no limits on him. And there's too many people that are trying to steal the very liberty of this message away from you and tell you that it's too late and tell you that days are gone by and tell you it's just for preachers or it's just for this one or it's just for those that study 24 hours a day. What kind of nonsense is that? What kind of nonsense is that? If he could so come and feel what we would call the Mary, the mother of Jesus Christ, if he would come and touch the Mary Magdalene, if he would come and raise Lazarus from the grave, if he would come to the what we would seem insignificant people, if he would come to a little lady that only made $20 a year, he knows where you're living at and he knows what you're gonna ask. Don't you be afraid to ask big things of God. Ask that your joy might be full. I want to take you down just a line just for a moment. Who was it that raised Ron Spencer out of a coma? When you thought that you were getting ready to lose your pastor, when you thought that you were getting ready to lose him to a, one of the greatest tragic accidents, a blown up in a fire, who was that one that resurrected him from that life? 
Who was that one that walked in there? Who was that one that walked in there when doctors had given him up? When doctors said he'd been brained in for 36 hours? I'll tell you, the odds were stacked up against him. I'll tell you, it's the same one that Abraham was fellowshipping with. Who was that one that called for Doug's life, Doug Hill's life to come back to him? I tell you, it's the same one that Abraham was fellowshipping with. Who is that one that brought Lord's signs back into the church of the living God? It's the same one that Abraham was fellowshipping with. Who was the same one that brought Stephen Byers and Tara Byers to the greatest message that's ever sounded out? I'll tell you, it's the same one that Melchizedek, that Abraham was fellowshipping with. Who's going to be the one that gets your boy out of trouble? It'd be the same one you've been fellowshipping with. Who's going to set these young girls free? It's the same one that we've been fellowshipping with. Who's going to take care of all of your problems? Who's going to drive cancer out? Who's going to drive sugar diabetes out? Who's going to do it? It'll be the same one that William Branham met up there in a cave. It's this Jesus Christ. If I can do it, they can do it. If I created on the first day, if I created all generations, they can create, they can call for life, they can call. If Moses could stand there, he could roll his shoulders back and he could call for fleas and he could call for flies, call for frogs and call for hell. Setting out there under the blood of bulls and goats. What are you doing crying? What are you doing crying? Speak and go forward. This message is the final voice of the final age. It's time to sound off. It's time to start coming into speaking conditions with him. What he's deposited on the inside of you is for you. Luther wished he looked for a day like this day. When you've got friends that are sitting out there and you know they're good Christians, you know they're good Christians. They're serving God in every way that they know how. But they could never come up here to where you are. And God will give them grace for where they're living at. And you decide, I'm just going to put this over on the shelf. And I'm going to listen. I'm just going to listen. I'm going to stay at my house. And I'm going to listen to tapes. And I decide I'm not going to church no more. You'll be guilty for turning down the one that's been waved over you. This ain't a time to put this message on the shelf. This is a time to bring it out. Live it out. Breathe it out. Speak it out. I got family members that I know it's way too impossible for them to get in this building by bystanders. But by his standards, you know what I'm talking about, Sister Francis. You know what I'm talking about. By my standards or by your standards or by our ideas, it's way too hard for them to work through the mess that they gotta get to, to get here. But if God got you here, Brother Joe, if God got you here, He'll take care of your house problems. He'll take care of your situations. He's that kind of God that he cares about the small things and he cares about the big things. 
I'll tell you, you may, they, they might look like it. The husk might look like the wheat, but it ain't got the real, it ain't got the real life there. And I'll tell you, this, what's been rolled off the assembly line is none other than this Jesus Christ. This is him in bride form again. I'll tell you what you got on the inside of you is running power. You got running power on the inside of you. Stand with us this evening. Give the Lord a hand, clap of praise. Oh, praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Don't you love the Lord this evening? Why don't you lift your hands and thank him for what's been waved over your life, what's been given unto you. Let me sing a song. These are the days of Elijah, man. Hallelujah. The word of the Lord has been restored to us. Hallelujah. What a liberty that's come to the church of the living God. Amen. Let's praise him. These are the days of Elijah Declaring the word of the Lord And these are the days of your servant Moses' righteousness being restored And these are the days of great trial Of famine and darkness and sore we are the voice in the desert, crying, prepare ye the way of the Lord. Behold, He comes, riding on a cloud, will shine like the sun. Oh, at the jumping call, lift your voice, the year of Jubilee, and out of science feel salvation come. These are the days of Ezekiel, the dry bones becoming as flesh. And these are the days of your servant, David, rebuilding the temple of praise. And these are the days of the harvest, the fields are as white in your Shining like the sun, or at the trumpet call, lift your voice, the year of Jubilee, and out of Zion Hill, behold he comes, behold he comes, or riding on a cloud, or shining like the sun, or at the trumpet call, lift your voice, the year of Jubilee. Desires shall behold he comes, behold he comes, for riding on clouds, for shining like the sun, or oh, at the trumpet call, lift your voice, the year of Jubilee, and I desire he'll sound. There's no God like Jehovah. 
There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. There's no God like Jehovah. Behold, he comes riding on a flower, shining like the sun. What trumpets call, lift your voice, the year of Jubilee. And now the Zion's heels Behold, he comes. Behold, he comes. Riding on the flower, was shining like the sun. At the trumpet call, lift your voice, the year of Jubilee. And now the Zion's heels Let's sing that there's no God like Jehovah. 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 Behold, He comes riding on the flower, shining like the sun. Trumpet call, lift your voice, the year of Jubilee, and now the Zion. You see that one more time, behold he comes, behold he comes, riding on the cloud, or shining like the sun. Trumpet call, lift your voice, the year of Jubilee, and now the Zion's new salvation. Amen. Aren't you glad that you're abiding with him? Amen. Let's just sing this song this evening. He abides, he abides. Hallelujah. He abides with me. I'm rejoicing night and day as I walk that narrow way for the hand of God in all my life I see. Oh, and the reason of my bliss is the secret all is this, that the Comforter abides with me. Oh, and He abides, He abides, oh hallelujah, He abides with me. Oh, I'm rejoicing night and day. As I walk an arrow way for the comforter abides with me. Oh, once my heart was full of sin, once I had no peace within, till I heard how Jesus died on the tree. Oh, then I fell down at his feet, and then there came a peace so sweet. Well, now the Comforter abides oh, with me. Oh, He abides. Oh, He abides. Oh, hallelujah. He abides. 
Day. As I walk that narrow 